You're listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. This episode, we're looking to save our planet in Fab Facts. We're joining the army for an important vehicle test in the randomizer. And the eagle has landed. It's part three of our Space 1999 interview with David and Robert. That's all coming up in pod 208 of the Spicy Jerry Anderson Podcast. Let's get started. Let's go. Spectrum is green. The Jerry Anderson Podcast with Jamie Anderson and Richard James. Oh. Well, greetings all. Now, Richard, hang yes. on, hang on, what? hang on. Hmm? What? Spicy. Uh, well, what about this podcast is spicy, precisely? Well, well in that little intro that we uh, we just gave the, the listener there, uh, mm. you may remember, Jamie, on the, on the first take, I made a little boo-boo, and I called yes. that prestigious mid-1970s Jerry Anderson production Spice 1999. Amazing. Yeah. So... Podstrons, if you have any ideas for restaurant names based on famous Jerry Anderson series, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us podcast at jerryanderson.com. Very good idea. Yeah, I like yeah. that, actually. Jerry Anderson-themed restaurant. Why has no one ever thought of that? Well, there, there was the, the Thunderbirds Cafe in Tokyo, of course. And I do, yes, and I remember at some point in our illustrious podcast history, we did have a menu of Jerry Anderson-inspired yes. dishes, didn't we? We did. Can't remember any of them, but I know mm. we did. Yeah. No. Yeah. Anyway, mm. but if you can think of any, uh, then please do send them yes. in. We'd love to. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, now we don't normally mm. start with uh, with spice nineteen ninety nine or even I calling thought, this thing no. spicy because no. I would say, as human beings in the world go, Richard, you and I are sort of um, safely vanilla. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that's sadly that's probably quite accurate. Yeah, okay. Well, mm. uh, anyway, uh, Mr. Vanilla over there uh, yes. is uh, Richard N. James. That's right. And Mr. Bland over there is uh, uh, Jamie L. Anderson. Uh, you almost forgot my name there. <laughs> I did, is, uh, yes. Interesting. I think it through. Yeah. <clears throat> yes. Uh, and uh, very nice, but essentially human rice. It's uh, Mr. Chris Dale over there. there. I mean, did I yeah. didn't have to rhyme, did it? Oh, he's, no, he's scowling at me terribly oh. after that. God, that's the look of death, oh, it was, isn't it? It was a compliment, Chris. Yes. Oh, honestly. Hang on. Oh, he's, dear. Chris, don't go. What? Don't... Hang on. Oh, Jamie. He, he stormed oh. off. That's that then. Oh, I thought that was supposed to be nice and yeah. funny, but. Oh, God. Anyway, well, hopefully he'll be back later on oh, to bring us the randomizer so. because he is oh, the randomizer, yeah. and without him, this podcast well, is nothing. That's right. I said this podcast right. is nothing, Chris. Yeah. No, oh, it hasn't worked. No, I could see his shadow on the. Oh, through the window there, on the door, there, on the opposite, opposite wall. I think he's lurking out there. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, maybe he's just getting some fresh air. Anyway, he maybe. will be back later on, I'm sure, for the randomizer, where he randomly watches a random episode of a random Jerry Anderson show and says fascinating and hilarious things about it. Uh, yeah, always. true? Yeah. Every week, yeah. yeah. Uh, so the filler between this point now and that point then with the randomizer is as follows. 
Yes. Actually, uh, do you know what? I'm doing things a little bit differently these days. Now, this is the oh, point, uh, well, just for one week, where I normally <laughs> say people have been emailing us in and tweeting us and Facebooking yes, us and you do all say that stuff. Lovely podstrons and blah, 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 and so on and so forth. Well, this week, I went onto our Facebook group and I asked this question. What couldn't you live without from the Jerry Anderson universe? Could it be a, a, a show or a character, some merch, 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 or even your fellow podstrons? And of course people responded so as the show progresses i shall be reading out a few answers and uh, posing the question to you at home listener what from the jerry anderson universe couldn't you possibly live without uh, and on top of that of course we have got uh, some other posts in our facebook group and uh, i think we'll head on over to our youtube channel as well where people have been commenting merrily on previous podcasts and uh, fab facts blooming lovely well can i yeah. tell you what i couldn't live without from the jerry anderson universe i think i know what's coming Hashtag mummy A. Oh, well, okay. I'll let you have that one then. Yeah. You were, think- I mean, I thought you were, <laughs> you say- were thinking I was going to yeah, say me, Chris Dale. Oh, I mean. Uh, no, re- what? To- uh, and- anyway. Yeah, okay. Moving swiftly on, I think we've got Awkward. this thing that Richard really likes and everybody else does too called Fab Facts because I've got a book of Fab Facts. You want to hear a Fab Fact? Yeah, let's hear a Fab oh. Fact. Here we go. That'll cheer me up. Now, time for this week's Fab Facts. Yes, Fab Facts, which will no yeah. doubt cheer Richard up no end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well as some of you lovely podstrons, uh, I've got a book of fab facts. I just gave it a little slap there so you could hear it was here. Uh, mm. I'm going to flick through it, which will shout fab at a very mm. random point, which will stop mm. me on a random page. And hopefully on that page, we will happen upon a fab fact. Okay. Clear? Yes, Asmad. Good. Uh, Richard, are you primed with your fab? Always primed. I'm standing by with my book of non-fiction. Well, come Here on we then. Go. Fab. Cool. The first bit went so fast. I noticed. I was I was worried we were going to run out of pages there, but yes. no. Don't worry. But it does mean that you have landed us squarely in the 1980s. Oh right. Okay. Cool. What a lovely decade. Some Ooh. of the finest things that were created in that decade. I'll have you know. Right. You know, what, like um, like it's, um, skateboards. No, it's the, Walkmans. It's the, it's the decade Walkmans. I was I was born, Richard. Thanks. Oh, I see. Anyway, who doesn't like a bit of Terror Hawks? Yeah, all right. No, I didn't mean. Just, shush, quieten down now. Those of you who don't like Terror Hawks, we, we're, we're very aware that not <laughs> everybody was a loves Terror Hawks. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, probably there are a few people who don't like Terror Hawks, but. Dad Return to Puppetry is worth checking out if you've never seen it before. I'm very, mm-hmm. very fond of it, as I've mm-hmm. told many people many times. There's obviously a audio listen, series yeah. from uh, Big Finish, exactly. Anyway, Richard, did you know that Terror Hawks wasn't originally meant to be a puppet series at all? I did not know that. Oh, it was yeah. meant to be an anime series. Anime. Ah, oh, yes. Yes. Mm. Okay. So... At the end of Space 1999, Dad was approached by Japanese media company Tohoku Shinsha, who were connected to the Japanese agents of Keith Shackleton's merchandising agency, as well as ITC, because they kind of built themselves on the Anderson shows. Mm. The Lou Grade of Tohoku Shinsha was an executive named Banjiro Wemura, uh, who offered Dad the opportunity to create a series which could then be produced as a cartoon in Japan with profits being split equally between the two production companies, as is often the way in a co-production. Now, as we know from a previous fab fact, that deal ultimately fell through after considerable development work. 
including uh, the final collaboration between Dad and Reg Hill to produce a lot of that uh, development material. Ah, right. Now, later, Dad reworked elements from Thunderhawks, that then mm-hmm. title thing, into mm-hmm. Terrorhawks. Mm-hmm. It was Christopher Burr who ultimately suggested that Dad use uh, puppets in order to capitalise on the ongoing success of the 60s series uh, worldwide. And uh, Mr. Wemmerer later took elements of the concept and made Thunderbirds 2086. So you can see how all these ideas yeah. diverge, converge, reconverge, go yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Now, according to some historical research done on a blog, which you can find at retroanimechris.blogspot.com, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. Wemmerer pitched Thunderhawks to the Japanese network MBS, who passed on it because they believed they didn't need another sci-fi series in their schedule at the time. Right. The pilot episode of this series was to be called Save Our Planet uh, and concerned the adventures of teenager Hayoto Yuki, uh, sorry if I've mispronounced that terribly, who is a member of an elite organisation created to defend the humans of the solar system, not from an alien menace, but from a form of genetically engineered half-termite, half-human beings. What? Uh, What? who had been created by a mad scientist as a replacement for weak earthlings. Yeah, weak earthlings. Now, it's not clear how much of that pitch was Dad's and how much of it was the Japanese creative team, Uh, but if it had come to fruition, it sounds like it would have been a very, very different story from the Terrorhawks that we know and love. Yes. Um, So you can find more information on it at retroanimechris.blogspot.com. Now, do so we know what, uh, how your dad felt about a return to puppetry after his live-action series? Well, he was not super happy. I mean, we touched yeah. on it very, very uh, lightly in the documentary, in fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, it was his return. It was his recovery. It was, you know, stepping back after a, a yeah. fairly devastating period, professionally and personally. Uh, yeah. The budget was nowhere near as high as he wanted, so he couldn't make it in the way that he wanted. And so there are a lot of things about Terrorhawks which were... Um, concessions, I suppose, at best. Okay, yeah. Um, but yeah, you feel, to... don't you, that, that actually it, it, it succeeds because of that, perhaps? Yeah, it's part of its sort of slightly pantomime comedic style mm. works because of the puppets and because of the constraints, uh, financial and otherwise. So, mm. I mean, I, I remember he said that when they pitched the Thunderhawks concept to Japan, which was then rejected and then reworked and, and all that sort of stuff, that some of the executives said, this is so amazing, this has to be a live-action series, it's too good to be an anime series. Wow. So they, they almost worked it up too far yeah. for it to be to be effective. Yeah. So, But, you know, uh, maybe that worked for the best. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't know how, how good a representation of the future potential of that show Thunderbirds 2086 is. It's probably mm. quite different. Mm-hmm. But yes, all these things that might have been, and it gives you an insight into the process of development of these things and how yes. long and how much they stray from their original path before That's eventually right. coming to fruition. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Mm. So if you've got any pictures or anything you'd like to share from those early Thunderhawks and Terrorhawks things, which seem to do the rounds online, I believe almost the entire uh, document is on that retro anime chris.blogspot.com site. Great. Uh, I've certainly seen something recently. So uh, do email us, podcast at jerryanderson.com with your thoughts. But for now... I think that probably brings us to the end of this week's Anime Fact. Fact. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, well, anime, yeah. you see. Yeah, we're in the same sort of anime. ballpark. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, sorry. Anyway, you're listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Now, I haven't said this for a couple of weeks, but you can yes. subscribe to us on whichever platform Ooh. you're listening to us on. And you can also leave us a nice review or a rating or a rating. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us some nice glittery stars if you feel like it and also copy the link to all your socials so your friends can listen too now over on our facebook group that's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons i asked the question what couldn't you live without from the jerry anderson universe it could be a show a character some merch 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 or even your fellow podstrons what couldn't you live without no. gary hodgkinson replied couldn't live without the podcast brightening up monday mornings cheers fab trio it's nice isn't it I mean, it makes Aww. me sound like I was sort of fishing for compliments a bit, but That's I wasn't. That's really honestly. lovely, really yeah. nice. Uh, Yuhan says, in all honesty, it's this very Facebook group. Not it, only it is this the friendliest lot. fan community I'm part of, it's also an oasis, a place to re-energise myself amongst friends, sharing our love of everything Jerry Anderson. To steal a thought from my second favourite podcaster, John Campy... An oasis isn't an escape from whatever troubles you may have in life, but it will certainly refresh and re-energise you to take those challenges head on. Wow, that's nice, nice. isn't it? Yeah, well, I hope you do the same for you, you Han. Pam March, or as I'm calling her from now on, Pam Marchy March 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 said, again, this podcast group, one of the best groups on Facebook, and Robert Monk said, I couldn't live without all my childhood memories of watching various Jerry Anderson shows and becoming hooked and involved with the adventures and characters on screen. Penn Quiller says, I couldn't live without the friendships I've made through my love of Jerry Anderson shows. These enabled me to travel around the world and meet fellow fans in USA, Australia and New Zealand. And Eminicles, finally for now, says everything. Except Joe 90. He's scary. That's fair. You think? Totally justified. Yes, totally justified, I would say. (laughs) Fair enough. Anyway, we'll be nipping back to our Facebook group a little later on to see what else our lovely Podstrons couldn't live without. I'm sure there'll be all sorts, and I'm sure plenty of them will say Richard N. James. I'm sure they will. Yes, in fact, those that did say Richard N. James, I've copied and pasted several times throughout today's show. Excellent. I look forward to hearing <laughs> repeated mentions of your name. Hooray! Uh, now, Richard James, every week there's some Jerry Anderson news in the Jerry Anderson Newsiverse. So, so would I you hear. like some of that now? Yes, please. Then it's time for this week's Jerry Anderson News. Yes, as usual, there's always new stuff, and that's why we call this section the Jerry Anderson News 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 News. It's not quite normally that newsy, but obviously this week Richard decided it is. So let us begin with this. So let's start with Danger Zone. I teased it last week. I said we were going to enter the Danger Zone. Well, now we have, or we've sort of threatened to do it. Thunderbirds Danger Zone is a brand new cooperative card game. Uh, developed by a fantastic chap called Andrew Harmon, who's done all sorts of award-winning games, and he's worked very, very hard over the last, probably the last nine months, to put together this uh, this cooperative card game in which you get to be International Rescue. Yep, you play against the game. It's pretty fast-paced. It's against the clock. The hood might interfere. And every turn, somebody else gets to be Jeff. So uh, whoever's playing, I think it's three to six players, each time somebody new gets to be Jeff, they get to be the one kind of dictating things, driving the strategy, 
and then you know some things are down to luck some things are down to hard work yes anyway there'll be more stuff on that soon i've done an interview with andrew which will be coming up in the next few weeks we'll have videos of gameplay cards uh card visuals and all sorts of other stuff in the next few weeks but it's a rather lovely thing uh, we've got a few offers this week if you'd like to pick up some bargains. So, uh, well, there's the last few copies of the Super Space Theatre Blu-ray collection. So if you want to uh, top up your 80s nostalgia uh, lens of Space 1999 in high definition, then I highly recommend you do that. I think we've got them on sale for just 39.99 down from 50 quid. But there aren't that many remaining, so go and grab them if you can. If you haven't yet dived into our Thunderbirds audio dramas, what what are you waiting for? What are they waiting for, Rich? Yes, I've ordered mine already. Uh, Terror from the Stars is uh, all four CDs down at $19.99. Sounds a bit inappropriate uh, brand-wise, but there we go. It's uh, it, the first of our John Thaden reimaginings with a full cast uh, audio uh, and uh, you know lovely music and Wayne Forrester narrating. Uh, you know... Now's the time to get into it, if you possibly, possibly can. Uh, and if you're feeling more musical, Captain Scarlet, the original series, uh, fa- full soundtrack from Silver Screen, uh, this week only, $9.99. Oh! oh what a bargain. Uh, if you like free things... Oh, yeah. And I know you do, Potron. We don't. We all love them. Uh, free Terrorhawks. Oh, oh, that's exciting. Yeah, see, I, I, I heard the cheer from, from uh, Anderson's HQ. Uh over the next few weeks, we've got various freebies coming up on our YouTube channel, including some more episodes of Terrorhawks and New Captain Scarlet. And the first free Terrorhawks episode, Midnight Blue, has just dropped. So head over to youtube.com slash TV. There's all sorts of goodies happening there and here and all over the place. And I hear some bloke called Richard James has been doing quite a lot of writing. Yep. Oh, I don't know. Maybe we'll think about talking about that in a few weeks' time. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Anyway, for now... That's the end of this week's Jerry Anna's News. That was the news. That was the news. In fine fettle as always. As ever. Yeah, exactly. What a beauty. I do try. <laughs> it was paying off. All that, all those yeah. uh, singing lessons you've been going to, really, really working. Yeah, thanks for that. Uh, anyway, now, I'm going to head back on over to our Facebook group. It's very easy to join in the fun on our Facebook group. If you weren't aware, you just go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash podstrons and you can post pictures of your merch and your cosplay and your favourite toys and uh, just your general thoughts about anything Jerry Anderson related. But I, this week, popped in uh, to ask our lovely podstrons what from the Jerry Anderson universe couldn't they live without. Uh, Joanne Bennett says Virgil and Thunderbird 2. And, of course, the Podstrons. Hmm. Matthew Alderman Harris says, In terms of the shows themselves, Thunderbirds is the one that I have the most attachment to. I was shown it on VHS by my dad when I was three in the early 2000s, and I've been watching it ever since. It's the only show from when I was little that I kept watching, which shows how it can appeal to all ages, and it's literally my favourite franchise in existence, says Matthew. Ah. Mm. Nice. Isn't that wonderful? It's amazing how something that you can be introduced to at a very early age there, I think you said it was three years old, can literally mm. stay with you all your life. It's incredible, isn't it? Absolutely. It'd be a bit like, you know, Lovely. if a toddler were to listen to, I don't know, maybe an episode of the Jerry Anderson podcast, then mm. it would follow them like a bad smell throughout their entire lives, wouldn't it? <laughs> like a, like a terrible memory. With. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, James Charles Munro says, uh, much as I want to say Thunderbirds, the true answer would be Captain Scarlet. Thunderbirds was my entry oh. into the Andiverse and the source of my love of the retro future style, but the ideas and themes of Captain Scarlet are still an influence in so many of my creative works. The mix of colourful and dark, of stylistic realism, and the fact that the villains can sometimes win are all part of that. Yes, I think that's a point. With Captain Scarlet, there was a sense of jeopardy, wasn't there? Perhaps more than you had yeah. in previous shows. Very nice. Yes, uh, well, Katha, I mean, the fact that the, the star could actually die, even though he couldn't yes. really die, but that's, yeah, that's a major thing. Yeah, I think that's what keeps people listening to the podcast as well, isn't it? The fact that at any <laughs> moment now... hope. <laughs> uh, Kath Baker says... Uh, 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 she says, I never gelled with Thunderbirds uh, when I was exposed to Anderson during the 90s, but I absolutely loved Captain Scar- Scarlet, and I still do. And Tom Hodden says, uh, well, he couldn't live without his Officer Orion underwear. One can survive in boxes or briefs, he says, but without the space-age comfort and breathable support of Hubble Orion's unique design, are you truly living? Oh. There's fair. a thought. Fair yeah. comment. It is, isn't it? And uh, finally for now, then, uh, Mark Perkins says, that's a great question. A couple of obvious answers would be the Podstrons or the podcast, but mostly the thing I'd miss would be my daily fix from my own personal randomizer. Uh, he says, All my right. breakfast routine yeah, is now well established. Seven days on one randomly chosen show. Secret service this week with episodes picked Chris Dale style, totally at random. I still spot new things and have never grown tired of immersing myself in the worlds of Jerry Anderson. Yeah, there we are. That's from Mark Perkins, who had his, his very own breakfast uh, randomizer. Well, we might need to borrow your randomizer if Chris Dale doesn't come back soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh, he's still not. No, he's not, is he? No, Look, it's still absent. Just an empty space where Chris Dale used to be. I know, it's very sad. Well, wow. look, let's yeah, hope that yeah. if we play out the last yeah. part of this interview, then okay. he may come back by the end of it. Oh, what okay. do you reckon? Yeah, go on then, let's try that. Okay, well, this is part three of three with David Hirsch and Robert Wood. Uh, they are the two authors of To Everything That Might Have Been, The Lost Universe of Space 1999. They've been interviewed by our marvellous podcast producer, Ben Page. Uh, So here is the final part of that interview on all things lost and found in Space 1999. We do have quite an in-depth section in the book where we go into the potential that the series, that that Breakaway could have had a theatrical release. It was was not written. The one thing we 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 kind of proved is it was never written as a 90-minute or two-hour movie. Chris never rewrote George's script as that because he wrote all the shooting scripts. But they they shot stuff that wasn't in right. the script. Right. They shot stuff that wasn't in the script. Uh, Lee Katzen did a lot of meticulous coverage. Brian Johnson and his team did a lot of additional visual effects because they were experiment. They had a lot of time to experiment with shots. And you could see a lot of the unused footage in the main titles all through the first season. In so the- there was plenty of stuff there to, to cut a 90-minute episode at least. Yeah. And in the letter from Sylvia Anderson that's in the book, which is one of my favorites, she references her desire that the, the breakaway should premiere at Cannes Film Festival, yeah. which would have been amazing. I mean, if that alternate universe of Space Jam 9 had happened, Breakaway could have premiered as a feature film at Cannes yeah. in April of 74, could have potentially then gone to whatever limited theatrical release in various countries over the summer prior to the series premiering network 
in the U.S., which, again, they were sure it was going to go network yeah. uh, in September of 74. And the networks would have made time for a longer first episode. Yeah. But, I mean, that would have been a whole different world if, if that progression had happened prior to the series. Yeah. Of course, none of that happened. You know, um, they uh, uh, Jerry, well, I mean, the, the theatrical cut basically of Breakaway was delivered. Uh, Jerry, Abe didn't love it. So it got cut. And Chris alludes that uh, there could have been some politics between Jerry and Sylvia there as well, that she was kind of pushing for this theatrical release and, and he came down on the side against it. You know? Chris makes a mention about the sometimes volatile politics between the two of them and how he tried to steer clear of that. And there was a lot of reshooting later on to fix the episode. And, you know, we have a breakdown of the shooting schedule as best as I could reconstruct it from all of Martin Landau's papers to see that they do some pickups done during Black Sun. And then later on, uh, some of Nick Tate's uh, pilot sequences in the breakaway sequence were all done, you know, a couple of episodes later. Yeah, and that's fascinating stuff as well because, you know, often over the years, or at least sometimes over the years, and he's on film talking about this, Jerry Anderson would say that he rewrote and directed and reshot all this new material and recut Breakaway into its final form. But Martin Landau had notes uh, that Lee Katzen directed the extra scenes, that it actually was, you know, Lee Katzen was there. They just filmed uh, Black Sun. And when Black Sun finished, they started doing extra stuff for Breakaway. And right. Landau made a note that the director for that was Lee Katzen. So if you accept that note as being accurate, then the only thing that was filmed after that were the pickup shots of Carter in the Eagle cockpit. And yeah, sure, Jerry could very well have, have uh, directed those himself. We don't necessarily have any record showing that anybody else did. But so Jerry could have done that and then honestly extrapolated in his mind and, and recalled it differently that he thought he would have you know, we were just talking about that a little while ago. I mean, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's such, you know, TV shows are just su such a, an eating machine when it comes to talent and, and trying to keep this thing going because you can't sit around and do nothing. It's too expensive. So they're constantly looking for, for ways to do pickups and how do we utilize sets. Uh, we built this one set and... We could use it in the next episode, so let's shoot some footage now for the next episode before we actually start on the episode prime. So they bring in the director and some cast to shoot a scene before they sh they were finished with another episode. Yeah, they did that with the nuclear uh, waste. Uh, well, not no, the, the no, the, uh, the generating area. Station, yeah, the generating area. The Alpha Child. They, yeah. The Alpha Child sequence was shot earlier, earlier before they actually start on the episode. Yeah, but you know, part of the part of the fun of the book was in piecing together some of these jigsaw puzzles, you yeah. know, from different bits of evidence that we could find here and there, and this person's letter and that person's letter, and, oh, that contradicts the main story that we've kind of been led to believe, doesn't it? So, again, yeah. we're putting together an alternate history, an alternate sort of timeline, an alternate set of, you know, I can't say alternate facts, because uh, that's that's not a thing. Uh, but... <laughs> But it's been, it's been, you know, one of the best parts of writing the book has been some of that, yeah. that research and putting things together and connecting the dots. Yeah, part, part 
TV history and part part mystery. Yeah. Yeah. Really. Yeah. It, it was a bit of a mystery trying to assemble things. I mean, you know, yeah. like Robert and I had a lot of discussions when I was doing the shooting schedule because I had the call sheets and the actual and, and what was the proposed shooting schedule. The proposed shooting schedule was done maybe a week or two earlier. Yeah. So suddenly you'd see, oh. Thursday, we're going to be in Black Park shooting this. And then you get to Thursday and they're not in Black Park because maybe yep. it was raining. So they decided, okay, we're going to shoot all the main mission stuff that day. So I had to sort of reconcile between all this stuff. David did a lot of work reconciling between those different documents. And and I think there might be a couple of instances where you're like, you can sort of find the, uh, where dates don't necessarily match. Uh, but again, it has just been. You know. It gives you. A, it really is to give you a kind of a, a clearer picture as to how the show was done. Mm -hmm. You know, like I, I also tried to give you lists of cast, background characters, stunt actors, stand-ins, and we've already discovered there were a couple of names that were unfortunately left out of, of some characters who you know I would have liked to have credited, but it was just such so massive pieces of trying to reconcile that yeah. sometimes you just miss things. Also, because especially in the call in the call sheets, somebody would suddenly be used called by their nickname the next day. You know, instead of uh, Fred Thompson, we have uh, Tommy Thompson or something. And like you think it's sure. a different person. And then just also, security guard four. <laughs> one of the one of the kids in another time, another place. Yeah. Um, on on the list we had, it was just one word, which was the name of the casting agency, yeah. not the name of the kid. And uh, now we actually we know the name of the kid. So yeah. when time comes uh, to uh, do a revised version, of yeah, we're we're assembling all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> we'll correct. You're already further corrected. Yeah. So, so where can people uh, where can people find this book? Well, you can of course right can now. order it from the publisher Telos, uh, especially if you're in England. But for everybody else, Amazon, uh, it's available very easily through Amazon. Uh, Amazon also has a Kindle version available if you're one of these people who don't want the physical copy. God, you people are killing me when I want to get rid of stuff. <laughs> I would uh, much rather have the physical copy, but the Kindle yeah, version was readily available. So. Years ago, I, I did an interview with Denise Akuda, who was the co-writer of the Star Trek Encyclopedia. And we were talking about, you know, they had just done a CD-ROM of, of the book. And I said, do you think this is the future of books? And she goes, well, I like to curl up by the fire in a, in a nice comfy chair with a book. And I can't imagine doing that with my computer. Yeah. But unfortunately, people seem to want to do that with their Kindles. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. We don't, we don't know the, the specific numbers of copies that we've sold. Um, for, you know, Kindle versus print, but uh, it'll be interesting when we do find out, you know, yeah. where the bulk of the sales are coming from. At this, but I think I think it's actually been popular on both platforms. Some people have have said that they both both copies. They want the hardcover, but they bought the Kindle because they don't want to mess up the hard, you know, the paperback yeah. Yeah. Uh, version. Or, or they could buy both and they didn't have to wait for shipping on the Kindle. That's true. That's they true. Get it because the issue now. Because the Kindle one came down immediately on day of publication, where the book, you had to wait 24 hours. God, 24 hours. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Remember we used to wait weeks, months, years? How long did I wait for the tech manual? Like, uh, the, the tech manual, I think, I think it took, uh, what, four months before we got them here? Yeah. They were in customs. It, it took a minute. They, yeah, they got held up. We were. 
we were really upset. Some of you people just, you youngins don't know what it's like to wait for something. <laughs> well, uh, how long will we have to wait for your next book? It sounds like you guys have lots more material to draw from and a lot more to say. We, we have actually a lot of stuff that we had to leave out of the book for a variety of reasons. We are exploring uh, avenues to uh, use it because uh, part of the problem we couldn't use it was uh, it was material that Telos was not really interested in doing. They may change their mind. I don't know. But uh, we have, uh, you know, made a little inquiries to other people. Uh, we know one person who shall remain nameless right now, which uh, <laughs> pays, pays somebody's check here. But, you know, hopefully we could get some mileage out of some more material because it really would be a shame to not share it with people because it really is fascinating stuff to just, again, see how a TV series is created. You know, somebody asked me on Facebook, what's new about this book? Why should I buy it? And I said, well, it's, it's not going to tell you something about the show you missed, but it's going to tell you something about how a show is created and how the show became what it was. So if you say, well, I wish the show did this, if the characters were like this, well, maybe they were, and maybe somebody changed it for a reason. And that's what the book explores. And, you know. and the, book, the book has got a lot of specific facts and things that nobody has ever heard before. Yeah. Yeah. You know, even the most uber fans of Space 1999 who believe they know everything, this, like, you know, we, we thought we knew pretty much everything. When we discovered the stuff that was in this, that you know, the material that we were getting, we're blown away, you know? I mean, jaw-dropping moments at yeah. times when we came across certain facts. Especially yeah. when you, you've seen things that you've heard rumors about, but now you know that they actually existed because you see the actual documentation from the studio that says that, yes, this did happen like the, uh, the spin-off series. And, and some of it is, you know, uh, big documents like the critical commentary and stuff yes. like that. Other yeah. things are just little tiny tidbits, you know, like, for example, in one of the uh, pre-production documents that David had, there are the eight original episode concepts yeah. that had been, you know, originally devised. Uh, one of which everybody knows is War Games. That's the only one that came through with the same title and the same story. Some of the other stories came through, but with completely different titles. And, you know, I, I, uh, we've had a couple of people uh, on Facebook, like, or message us and say, oh my God, you know, with that, yeah. seriously, like, that could have been the title. That's like, yeah. you know, I don't know if, uh, what is the, what is the rating on this podcast? Can I say bat crazy? There may be a bleep you know? over, over a part, one part of that. It's yeah. probably bad. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> yeah, we, we have, we have, somebody may have a problem with bats, so that we're gonna. That's gonna yeah. Well, we had somebody message us completely crazy, yeah. you know that that this could have been the original that this was the original title for. In that case, it's the Testament of Arcadia, and I'm not yeah. giving it away. You've got to get the book. No, but you look at the fact yeah, that you this is, you know, you, and then you wonder, were they serious? Were they really going to use this title, or are they just going? Well, we got to use this title for people, you know, who are not that savvy about science fiction. We want to just really sell it easy, you know. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, when you when you look at it, the original title conveys the plot. It does. It does. You know, it's just I can't believe a show could ever have been called that. 
you know. It's amazing. It's one of those little tiny little, it's just a few words, but it's one of those jaw drop moments uh, in the book that yes. I think are. Yeah, I didn't even think they would have used that title in Fireball XL5. And they had strange <laughs> titles in Fireball XL5. So, yeah. We're going to leave it right there at that mystery. I feel like we've uh, we've just hopped in a time machine and gone back to, to 1974 and 73. And you guys have been my, my guides through the, the production of Space 1999, so, and it's out now. It's out now. Thanks, man. It's, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you, guys, both. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, Lovely stuff. Well Thank done. you, David. Thank yes. you, Robert. And thank you, yes. Ben. Uh, if you want to buy to everything that might have been the Lost Universe of Space 1999, then, well, can I suggest you head to Telos Publishing or to Amazon? Um, okay. And don't forget, it's full of contributions by uh, Space1999 script editor slash writer Christopher Penfold. So some stuff direct from the 1975 to 1977 horse's mouth. Brilliant. Yeah, I look forward to that. Uh, now, back on over in our Facebook group where I asked the question, what from the Jerry Anderson universe couldn't you live without? Well, Lance Harrington replied, UFO, the greatest Anderson show. Fair enough. Mm. Paul Hyder says, by Captain Scarlet Coffee Coaster. Yeah, I can understand. Uh, Sean Raven, here's the first one for Barry Gray's music. Yes, quite right too. Uh, and that's seconded by Lou Dean, who says, hard choice, but it's between Captain Scarlet, Joe 90, and Barry Gray's music. Oh. Meanwhile, Sepp says, I'm going to say Barry Gray's music as well. Stingray and the end credit artwork on Captain Scarlet, of course. Martin Smith says, I couldn't live beyond the Podstrons group. Uh, without, rather, the Podstrons group. It's beyond doubt the best of all those that I've joined. A great place to share a love of all things Anderson. I hope to meet some of these lovely, friendly and knowledgeable friends I've made at a future Jerry Anderson event. I did join in a few of the quizzes on Zoom, which I enjoyed, but Saturday nights are difficult for me to attend. My best wishes to all my fellow Podstrons SIG from Martin Smith uh, and then Lovely. we have Steve Bushell who says I can't live without the dulcet tones of Richard, Jamie and Chris popping into my ear holes oh. every week it's nice isn't it yeah yeah just a couple more for now Willow Lambton Smith says well I couldn't live without John Tracy I refuse to give up my space hubby uh, Steve Beresford <laughs> said uh, would vastly improved mental health count oh, I think absolutely well, Yes, nice to know we're helping in some small way there. Uh, uh, yeah. Matty Keskavari says, I hate to sound like a broken record, but I'm going to say Thunderbirds as well. My dad introduced me to it in the early 90s when I was a little kid, and it was one of the shows that defined my childhood. To this day, I'm proud to call it one of my top favourite shows of all time. And that's from Matty. So quite a, a, a good uh, spread of answers there across most uh, of Jerry Anderson's shows. Haven't seen anyone mention Space Precinct. <clears throat> well, they're just they're just holding back for dramatic effect, I should think. Do you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah okay. Probably. Well, yeah. I've, now I feel a bit better now. I'm sorry to distract from your space precinct reverie, but yes, talking of people holding back for dramatic effect. Yeah. Look who's just rocked up. What is Chris Dale? Uh, he's back. Oh, and here he is. Yes. He's got a bag under each arm. So he I has. think I know what's happened here. Is when I described Chris as rice. He yes. suddenly remembered that he'd made a, a takeaway order oh, for collection yeah. <laughs> at the local Chinese takeaway, and he just brought it, it back. Oh, he wasn't cross with us at all. He just no. remembered his error. Oh, so fantastic. I'm assuming there's enough for all of us. No? no? What? Oh. He's shaking. Oh, he's not, not enough for all of us. He's not sharing. Oh. It's just for him. 
Okay, right. Well, uh, sure uh, while he's doing, while he's doing the randomizer, we'll try and sneak yeah. a little bit. And uh, all right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Any, yeah. Anyway, over to you, Chris. Yeah. Over uh, to you, for Chris. This yeah. week's randomizer. Ooh. Yeah. Mind where you're putting that chopstick. Yeah. Spectrum Security Vaults, Night Guard here. Oh, no, not you. Isn't there anyone competent I can talk to? No, I'm sorry there's no one else around. Oh, well, suppose you'll have to do then. Uh, I think I left some property of mine there when I was uh, visiting the other day. I'm in desperate need of a randomizer selection for today, and obviously I know you have an established fondness for touching things with red buttons on, so uh, if you could... Yes, I'll do that. Brilliant, thank you. And, um, is everything in order at the vault since I was last there, you know? Anything missing at all? No, I haven't had time to check. Well, I can assure you that everything is just where it should be. And if it isn't, it was Marina. Right, what episode have we got today? I'll pass on the message. You'll what? Oh, right, I see. Let's have a look. Ah, right, yes, well, a very good choice, Mr. Security Guard. Today's episode is Recall to Service from the Secret Service. Right. Goodbye. Oh, good... So, continuing our trend of shows we haven't seen for ages on the randomizer, here for our annual visit to the Secret Service is the Secret Service with Recall to Service. And we open in a, or in a sort of military testing facility. Right, Mitchell, begin the test. Command to Aquitank. Where Captain Gray has uh, been dressed up as a general. Commencing test now, Captain. Captain Blue is a scientist. He's now got brown hair, and there's a chap called Mitchell, who uh, is played by the puppet that played... Uh, is it Jackson in uh, Seek and Destroy, Captain Scarlet? I think that's his first, most prominent appearance. And yes, this is um, an episode that's quite familiar to uh, long-time Super Mario Nation viewers. We have the army have built a new tank. The Aqua Tank. And it's, you know, completely invincible, virtually unstoppable, blows up any vehicles that get anywhere near it, much like that tank there just got blown up. Some interesting pink flames on that tank. A very forceful addition to anyone's army, sir. Indeed, yes, that's Mitchell. Invincible. And what I find interesting about the Mitchell puppet, and it it's there's several puppets in the Secret Service that went through Captain Scarlet and Joe 90. Suddenly they look very odd in the Secret Service, and I think what part of it is down to is, I believe the last episode of Joe 90 made was Viva Cordova, and a lot of the background puppets were repainted brown for that episode. So then they were repainted again back to white, pink, whatever, for the Secret Service. And they certainly will, sir. Yeah, a close-up there that proves it. There's something about the, the repainted guest characters in the Secret Service, some of them never looked right again. Mitchell there is, he's, it almost looks like he's wearing mascara. His eyes are very, uh, very, very made up. And there's one or two other long-time guest puppet characters that never looked the same in the Secret Service. Um, the Aquatank, back to base. Fraser from Crater 101 is one of those. He's he's only in a couple of episodes of the Secret Service, and he looks terrible. He looks, he looks utterly hammered. And the same with, I think, the um, uh, Major Gravener puppet. She's not responding. 
And he never looked right in the Secret Service. And I'm sure it's down to that um, having been repainted brown and then back again for, for Viva Cordova. Anyway, the Aquatank instructions. is not responding to instructions, heading for a cliff. Yes, the uh, the little tank is running out of control. How are we going to stop it? Break the main circuit. It's too late. But I'll do it anyway. In case it isn't. Oh, what do you know? There was a great big cliff there that the aqua tank has decided to scale. But luckily, main circuits have been broken, and the tank, oh, narrowly avoids going over the edge. But it's all right now. So we are back from the opening titles. Recall to service, and this episode is probably the first episode of the show that I was ever aware of. We're going on one of my tangents here, because uh, although I didn't see the show, um, obviously I, I never saw it on broadcast, because very few people did. Fortunately not. This episode was shown at a convention that I, my very first convention when I was a, a wee little Dalek, uh, I, that there was the, the Fab Two Thunderbirds Fun Day in Margate, I think the Winter Gardens in Margate, uh, which was thrown by, well, by Fanderson. I say, don't we look smart today? Go on now. There was a, a, a screening room. Various episodes were shown, and this was the representative for the Secret Service. No, no, that's a real nice rig out. Ah, oh, Matthew's, uh, Matthew's uh, making fun of Father Owen's old uh, chaplain uniform there. Yes, this episode was uh, was shown during the course of that weekend, and although I didn't see it, I did see it listed in the the program, which I've still got somewhere. Uh, and it was interesting to, you know, they were showing episodes of Thunderbirds and Stingray and Scarlet, and these were all shows that I knew. And neither will Matthew. And there was the Secret Service. What on earth is this? Oh, uh... And I'm I'm sure they they picked this episode to show because it's the most traditional Super Marionation-y episode with vehicles and army stuff and lots of explosions. I'm afraid an urgent one. We have to be at an army base in two hours. That doesn't leave us much time. None at all. Well, except two hours. Right, Father. Yes, and uh, the other show listed in the uh, Fab Two Thunderbirds Fun Day screening room that I'd never seen before was uh, Terrorhawks. They showed Play It Again SRAM. And just the description of the show, having not seen any of the visuals, I knew, I think I knew that it came from the 80s, but it was like, wow, this show sounds really cool. And uh, obviously, when I finally got around to seeing Terrorhawks and actually, you know, just seeing images of it and. Uh, yeah, let's just say my imaginary Terrorhawks was a long way off the uh, actual Terrorhawks. This, you know, the Secret Service, not so much. It wasn't so different from what I was expecting. I think, you know, once you read the premise in that program, Father Unwin is actually a parish priest, who's really a secret agent with a shrinking ray. It's like, oh, okay, if that's the premise of the show, I, uh, whatever. And some, uh, yes, newly shot footage of... Uh, Stanley Unwin himself, live-action footage in his uh, in his uniform here. As we head off to the army base, ah, it's nice. It's nice, happy music to the jolly army base. And I think some of this is reused from. Who goes there, friend? A question of miracles. Oh, I thought he was a civilian. Uh, now then, sir. What can I do for you? And it's the same puppet, oddly enough, playing uh, the, the guard at the uh, entry point. 
They appears to be all correct, sir. It's the Lieutenant Dean puppet from uh, the first episode of Captain Scarlet. He was here manning this post in A Question of Miracles, and he's still here today. He's got a different voice, though. ...for specialty of this case set. All lock it up very tight, low, with a special key number 32, secret in the special safe as the white hormones. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, well, I... Uh... I see what you mean, sir. But this is a secret base. Uh, yeah. That's why we have the words top secret base on the side. Which came from Whitehall through 454, which, if you want to stab, from the minute of the special defending. <laughs> He's nodding, yes. Failing all this... I think also with the with these moments of unwinnies when he's baffling puppet characters with this... <laughs> That's lovely. It really helps the choice of puppet. Hey! And the Lieutenant Dean puppet is perfect for, for being confronted with Unwinnie's because he looks... Oh, is that a reuse of the... Yeah, it's a reuse of the Captain Scarlet Yellow Fox tanker. And I think one of the support vehicles from uh, Path of Destruction, the Crab Logger. Where was I? Oh, yes, the look of various puppets that are confronted with the Unwinnie's. I think it, it helps with the Lieutenant Dean puppet. He's got a sort of permanently... Not puzzled, but, um, you know potentially confused expression on his face. Uh, I'm sorry if I startle you, gentlemen, but uh, I did hear a rumour. Did you? Ooh. Well, uh, <clears throat> you're going to be with us for a while, so you might as well know. I'm pregnant. ...attempt to sabotage the project. And the evidence indicates that the person responsible is someone in authority. Captain Blue looks actually really good with brown hair. It could be any one of us. It could even be this character Mitchell over here who we're going to hold on for a long time while sinister music plays. But it could be any one of us. Nice to see, actually, uh, Captain Blue and Captain Grey standing next to each other again. It's It's been too long. Yes, Captain Blue was... The puppet was not reused in Joe 90, but he was in a couple of episodes of The Secret Service. And it's not as noticeable as it is with uh, with Scarlet. Because if the opposition are going to do something to the aqua tank, it'll probably be tonight. Then we must prevent it, Matthew. Mm. Let's go inside. So there's the aqua tank. You know, it's a bit, you know, a bit of the unitron about it. Who goes there? Oh, it's him again. It's all right, Sentry. It's your chaplain. Oh, oh, God, no, not you. Sorry, sir. You can't go in. A security. And now I'm going to walk away. The Padre, sir. Oh. Let him in. But, sir... I said let him in. Yes. And, um, Professor... Um... Oh, they actually tried walking the Stan the Unwin puppet there. Well, what brings you here this time of night, Padre? Just interested, Professor. In my aquatank? Why? And this Professor character... I can't remember the surname of the character. It's Professor, Professor. Uh, yes, this... He seems to be working in uh, Professor McLean's lab from Joe 90. I recognise a lot of this gear and the uh, the colour scheme on the wall. Pervious to gunfire, landmines. Go on. Your case. It moved. Ah, this is quite clearly optical diluting, which resulted very much in your burn the candles early to the early morning. Very common occurrence. Careful, Matthew. And again, Blue is another puppet that looks really good when confronted with Unwin. He's always got a handkerchief, he's dabbing his forehead with it. You must forgive me, I have to prepare for the demonstration tomorrow. Well, I'd like to offer success. All clear, Father. I'll get aboard the aqua tank as soon as possible. He'd like well, to offer success. Professor, best of luck. He would not wish him luck. He's going to offer success. Here is some success. You may have it. Hmm. And this is an odd moment. I, I think you're meant to be misled at this point and think the professor is uh, in league with the villains. Graham here. Professor Graham. That new padre, there's something funny about him. 
I don't know, but he knows too much and asks too many questions. And he talks funny. Well, I'll leave it to you, but he must be kept out of the way. Oh, yes. That's a, a potentially sinister-sounding conversation that never actually goes anywhere. Hello, Matthew. Where are you? I'm inside the aquatank, Father. Among the electronics. Any sign of sabotage? Yes, there's the aquatank, and there's also, it's important to mention, a little support vehicle with a radar dish that Professor Graham will be uh, sitting in later on. And I love with this that we've been doing military bases and things for such a long time now that we've got all this stuff lying around. We can just knock up a quick military base in five minutes. I think this blockhouse set... Uh, model, I should say. The exterior model was um, in Doppelganger. Good. I think it was the the building used for the uh, little control room. Big responsibility, sir. Shall I take it? No, it's all right. Colonel Blair here. Colonel Blair? Yes, we have him here. Emergency regulation, sir. Yes, sir. Of course. Immediately, sir. Goodbye, sir. That person on the other end of that line could only have been saying one-word sentences. Yes, yes, fine, whatever, goodbye. Freedom to go anywhere on the base. Who said so, sir? The Ministry of Defence. Take care of it, Mitchell. Mitchell. I'm going to see the Professor. I'll take care of it. Ah. Well, I'm sure he's not the villain. More phone call action. Everyone's on the phone to each other in this episode. Padre. Unwin. Government orders. Yes, it can only mean one thing. He's Secret Service. <gasps> you know how weird they are. All right. But I don't like it. Yes. The demonstration starts in an hour. So we never find out who actually Mitchell is talking to there. Again, I, I think you're meant to assume that it's Professor Graham, but it's clearly not because Graham isn't actively trying to sabotage his own project, unlike Mitchell. So, I don't know who, who Mitchell is talking to there. I also don't know why the phone is a direct line. Why is a direct line from the control room to his evil overlord master things? Demonstration. Patience, please, gentlemen. The aquatank is due to appear in 15 minutes. But don't don't crowd the aquatank. Don't embarrass it. It's very shy. Patience, please. Yes, some familiar-looking characters there have come to see the demonstration. Also, one or two puppets who... I, I've never seen before. They could be re-wigged or re-sculpted, but some of them just look quite terrible, actually. In reserve, as it were, in case of emergency. They're no Lieutenant Dean, that's for sure. Attention, please. Yes, there's the steel puppet from Special Assignment, Commodore Goddard again, uh, General Rebus from Noose of Ice, and then the rest of them are sort of... ...in the world, the Aquatank. The Aquatank, my goodness. Yeah, a few rejects and... Oh, there's the uh, Robert Mitchum-looking puppet as well, but there's also... ...target building here. A gu the guy... I ...understood attempts would be made to stop the Aquatank reaching its target. Yes, this guy. I don't recognise that puppet at all. The area has been covered with landmines, and the Aquatank will be attacked by conventional tanks and aircraft. Hmm. That is why we shall be watching from the comparative safety of this blockhouse. And I stress the word comparative. Stop the aquatank. I love that. I love that. That's a blatant admission. Yes, your lives are in danger. Give the command, Captain Mitchell. Begin the demonstration. Yes, sir. Oh, you see why they needed Mitchell to do this. Aquatank programmed onto target building. Yes, so we have target buildings, target vehicles, and who's this coming to attack the Aquatank? Stock footage of Angel Interceptors, incredibly enough. I guess, you know, a few years out from Captain Scarlet, and here's stock footage of a tank from Joe 90, the episode Business Holiday. 
I suppose any moment now, Fab One is going to crash through and uh, try to attack the Aqua Tank as well. Yeah, there's a there's a puppet with a phenomenal nose that I don't recognise. Yep. The tank from Joe 90 has opened fire. But of course, nothing can stop the Aqua Tank. Why would you use footage of Angel Interceptors? I mean, I get that you've got a lot of it. But it's so they're so familiar vehicles to long-time Anderson fans. I mean, yeah, it's nice to see. Definitely nice to see Angel Interceptors flying about the place. But they're so iconic. I mean, for goodness sake, they're carrying Spectrum markings. So it's not like that that tank there from Joe 90. That's a you know generic machine. Who cares? It's still blowed up just as uh, just as well as Joe blowed it up. Yes. Very strange that the angels are flying around the place. Don't worry about the captain. Look at the aqua tank. The aqua tank is much prettier than Captain Mitchell. Oh, Mitchell has gone outside and locked all of these VIPs. What are you doing? Sealing the electronic doors. Oh, yeah, that's what he's doing. The staff did not want to be disturbed. That means... It means they can't get out until I release them. But those are their orders. Get back on duty, Sergeant. Yes, sir. I like this sergeant character, even though he just happens to materialise wherever the plot needs him to be. Sinister old Mitchell has locked everybody in the blockhouse. Permanently. And, uh, yes, the sergeant didn't hear that gunshot. Right, Matthew? Matthew, can you hear me? Just about. Everything's fine. I hope the chiefs of staff are impressed. Yes, of course, M Matthew is stowed away aboard the aqua tank. I love that he's stuffed into so many crevices and corners in uncomfortable vehicles. There must be an easier way to do carry out these missions, but anyway. Tank to attack coordinates. Mitchell has gone to see Professor Graham. 419. I don't understand. He's got new instructions. Graham, Professor. And a gun. 024419. Wait a minute. That's the blockhouse. Oh, no. Precisely. Stand back. I'll do it myself. So the aqua tank continues to uh, well, drive around in circles, really. What have you done? We'll all be killed. You will. The chiefs of staff will. I'll be in the safest place on this base. The target building. Lovely subtle bit of puppetry there as... Uh... Oh! Ah. Professor Graham has been punched down. Um... He was wearing an, an odd expression on his face there. A yeah, nice bit of puppetry there from Mitchell when he said, I'll be in the safe place. And he's, he gestured to himself with his his hand. It was very subtle, but very human. Right off the program course. I don't understand. It means someone in the control truck has altered the program. I'll get over there immediately. It's only half a mile across the training ground. No, Father. Remember the landmines. And by the direction it's heading, you'll have to cut across the Aquatank's path. And it's still under attack. Trust in Providence, Matthew. Trust in Providence. This is lovely. We're going to take Gabriel across the minefield, through a war zone. With all these explosions going off. Where everything has orders to blow up everything else. And there's unarmed Gabriel pootling along the battlefield. Father, the forces have orders to attack anything that crosses the battle area. Have no fear, Matthew. I'm a smallish target. Sorry about it. Yes, but you're also bright yellow. Oh, dear. Yes, I also wonder why it's called the Aqua Tank, considering, you know, it very rarely goes into uh, water. 
Oh, the angels are keeping up there. Yes, they've opened fire on the uh, on Gabriel now. They're just as good shots as ever. They can't hit Gabriel. Oh, it's it's nice to see the angels here. Actually, I take back what I said. I I like this use of uh, old footage. It doesn't make any sense, but. Wrong corner. I'm afraid we're locked in the building. And it seems we are under attack from your indestructible aquatank. I'm sorry, General. There's nothing we can do. Yes, this is very familiar territory. If you've ever seen Point Seven Eight Three and Captain Scarlet, you've basically seen this story. Get out of here. We'll all be blown to pieces. My well, I'm just kind of resigned to it at this point. Program the aquatank to destroy the blockhouse. Then we must stop. Yes, that's uh, uh, Captain Blue sort of blinking face there or something that was used. He looked a bit poorly. Which I suppose he would do, having been uh, knocked over. Savagely as Mitchell knocked him over. And there is. Ridiculous. But if there was, what would you do? Well, I'd... So, Unwin is getting Graham to talk him through the shutdown procedure. A red protecting panel. Can you see it? From the point of view of, imagine there was somebody on the tank who could uh, do something to stop it. Yes, I see it! I've got to say, the aqua tank itself, although they do a good job of making it seem unstoppable, purely by the fact that nothing seems to be actually hitting it, everyone's aim is very poor here, um, it doesn't quite live up to the uh, the design of the, um, the Unitron from Captain Scarlet, or even something like the uh, spider tanks from, from Joe 90. Oh, Matthew nearly knocked himself out with the uh, covering on that panel there. Oh, you're mad, Padre, mad. The missile will launch in 30 seconds. No time to explain. What now? Oh. Unwin's waggling his finger. Serious stuff. Switch! Throw! Hooray! Are you listening? Certainly. What now? It's a very nice puppetry here as well on Professor Graham's that you can clearly sense there's a puppeteer working his arm from below as he keeps touching his forehead as he's sort of going, oh, oh, what next? I don't know. Ten seconds. The left lever, Matthew. Quickly. Five. Four, three, two, one. It's a really nice look, actually, of the Professor Graham puppet and the voice. Um, he doesn't seem particularly bothered about the fact that he's going to die. But Matthew diverted the aqua tank at the last minute and it resumed homing on the target building. There was nobody in the aqua tank. There couldn't have been. But then who were you talking to? I've got to say, I've really enjoyed Keith Alexander's interview recently. Hasn't that been brilliant? Yes, we saw it happen. Then let's just call it a miracle, shall we? A miracle of science. Oh. Padre, I know more, more working of the arms from under the camera there as uh, Unwin sort of went, way with his hands. And of course, Mitchell was in the target building and is, um, well, he's dead. Very, he was very much in that building when it was blown up. We see his body, but curiously, the Secret Service never confirms death one way or another. It might happen, as it clearly did there, but they won't say it. By the sword. We just get that. He who lives by the sh sword shall die by the sword. Okay. I'm not sure why, after going at, going at death so strongly in Captain Scarlet and Joe 90, they decided with the Secret Service, let's never, ever mention it at all. I suppose it fits in with the, um, the the church and all that. But anyway, that was Recall to Service. I waffled all over it. Teleplay by Pat Dunlop. Okay, 
Um, yes, pretty good. A very strong episode of the Secret Service, I would say. If you were looking to either have your first viewing of the series or you were looking to introduce somebody to the series who was familiar with things like Thunderbirds and Scarlet but hadn't seen this and you're worried that it's a bit too strange a format for them to really cope with, put this on. But this is a nice traditional Anderson Super Marionation-y fair. Lots of explosions, military presence. It is definitely one of the, the stronger episodes of the series. So yes, I, I really enjoyed that one. It's a bit light on uh, on the traditional weirdness of the Secret Service, but as a you know, it, it stands out as being something a bit more traditional than the rest of the series. Lots of nice vehicles, lots of explosions, lots of old puppets coming back. So uh, yeah, a very entertaining episode of the Secret Service. We'll probably not see this till next year. So uh, until then, take care, Father Unwin. Bye bye. Love it. Ooh, love I it. love that fugue so much. Yeah, yeah I know you do. do, yeah. do, do, ba, do. No, here we go. Um, oh, no, I'm not going to do the whole thing. Don't no. worry. Didn't I do... I did the, uh, yeah, the hymn did. at the start, didn't I, for News <laughs> yes. News all those years yes, ago? Yes, yes, Gosh. <laughs> I, did, I did... No, I did. I, didn't I sing all four parts for that? Yeah, I think you I, did. Yeah. You put them all together. This is back in the day when you had lots of time on your hands, Jamie. Uh, I had a lot more time, and I don't know how I did that. <laughs> anyway, right. Chris, thank you. Love a bit of Secret Service. It's quirky. Yep. It's weird. But it's sort of fun. Pretty yeah. much like the Jerry Anderson podcast, I'd say. I think that's probably a fair comment. Now, I'm just picking a little bit of uh, sweet and sour crispy duck out of my... Shut up, Tim. Oh, he's yeah, he's gone off with his bags now. He thinks he's, he yeah. thinks he's safe. All right. Thanks, Chris. I think we got away with it. Uh, now, I'm going to head on over to our YouTube channel where you can find lots of Jerry Anderson-related stuff from primers to free episodes uh, to the podcast. Uh, for example, uh, here are a few comments under pod 206, which what featured... Everything that might have been by Robert Wood and David Hirsch. For example, can I guess? Uh, can I make a guess before you start? Well, can I guess yeah. that somebody has said that the Fab Fact was a bit rubbish? Well, they did say that, but I, I'm not going to read that one out. I didn't copy and paste that. Uh, one. Okay, okay, but fact, yeah, there's always there's always someone no saying the Fab Fact was rubbish. Yeah, but it was Keith Gooch. <laughs> now he's you know he's quite uh, critical when it comes to Fab. He knows what he likes. Let's just say that. Sorry to disappoint you, Keith. It wasn't my intention. No, exactly. Uh, but Peter says, uh, just purchased the book. Very interesting. A must for any Space 1999 fan. Uh, Betsy Lee says, I'm still listening to the Jerry Anderson podcast and I'm enjoying it on my days off running around town. Uh, nice. Well, glad we're keeping you company. Underneath the uh, the fab facts uh, from a couple of weeks ago about Super Mario Nation voice artists appearing in Anderson live action shows, uh, Cessna Ace says, well, in addition to Thunderbirds and Joe 90, Shane Rimmer was in an episode of Space 1999, plus his voice was used in five more. Plus, he was in the pilot Space Police. Plus... Superman 2 and Superman 3 as two different characters. Okay, they weren't Anderson productions, but he was in them. Ian Dealey says, here's a fab fact for you. Super Marionation voice artist David Graham also made a contribution to a live-action Anderson show as he voiced Tarn scientist Dr. Long in the Space Precinct episode, The Forever Beetle. Yes, yes. you're right there, Ian. We had all a, about that. We had a bit of a search around for that because we weren't sure, were we? I remember many weeks ago whether that was in fact David Graham, but I think AC uh, yeah, goods on that one. Thanks, uh, AC. Yes, Ian says also a bonus fab fact. Matt Zimmerman was dubbed by his Thunderbirds co-star Jeremy Wilkin when he appeared in UFO. He was indeed, yes, as the uh, the unfortunate pilot, shall we say. That's yeah. not the episode of 
<laughs> UFO. That's what his character was. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, just a couple more. Steve McAvoy says this would make a great pointless style question, except only Ander fans would be able to answer it. And here's one for you, Jamie. Uh, Eddie Hansen, underneath Pod uh, Two Hundred Six, simply posted, "I love Jamie Anderson." Isn't that nice? Well. Or what about Reggie James and Chris, Chris Dale? Well, I was trying yeah. to be nice there, but thanks. <laughs> oh, I see. Sorry, sorry. There we are. Anyway, thanks, Eddie, anyway. Yes. Really appreciate that. <clears throat> so do pop along to our YouTube channel. There's all sorts of goodies there, and uh, you can leave nice, perhaps constructive comments underneath, and uh, who knows, yes. I might even read them out. If they're not nice, then, you know. No. Well, we won't it. read them out. Just, no, exactly. They will just be lost in the ether. Exactly. Quite right, too. Who needs nasty stuff? Who needs negativity? Uh, Pat. Exactly. Uh, so, Richard James, yes. I feel like you've run out of uh, YouTube comments well, now. I have, yes, you're absolutely right, yeah. Good, well that's good, because I'm, I'm I'm quite in need of a little nap, actually. So I, I, It's all that Chinese of it. Oh. Sorry. Goodness me, but yes, I have had too many um, mm. crispy Dim duck and pancake roll things. Mm. Yeah, and those. So, uh, Posterons, we hope you have an amazing, lovely week, uh, and uh, that your clammy ears are soon dry after listening to us uh, nice. and uh, please once your ears have dried out please go to uh, your podcast provider of choice make sure you're subscribed give us a rating we haven't had a rating for a while have we let's see have some ratings please no yeah. yeah, I want yeah, some yeah, ratings yeah, we'll read them next week and maybe even send something nice to somebody who's left a nice rating anyway uh, until pod 209 wow we bid you farewell yeah and uh, yeah speak right. to you then see you then bye Bye. Stage one complete. Let's go. Spectrum is green. quite tired you know are you why what have you been up to what have you been doing oh just i think racing around the country a lot really i mean i i I can't know i don't know if you recall but it's quite recently that i bumped into you in maidenhead oh that was you was it oh god yeah did you yeah that's right yes yeah so tell me on your travels around the country let's ask you a few questions oh dear favorite venue Ooh, Uckfield mm. was very comfortable. Was it? Yeah. Okay. So, and they also they the Uckfield Picture House has a restaurant on the other side of the road. So we we had dinner there, and Perfect. it was it was very pleasant. Yeah. So that was nice. Uh, so in the Q and A after the showing, uh, I'm going mm. to ask you what's been your favourite question that you've been asked. Ben and I agree that that we had one saying what were the biggest challenges making the dock, which seems like a really sort of standard question but nobody asked yeah. it until glasgow uh-huh. i think right and that was really okay. interesting because then we got to sit there and think oh yeah. actually that was hard and that was hard. that was logistically hard that was emotionally hard that was hard in terms of production so yeah it, yeah. Was, it was a good question uh and finally what's it like spending all that time 
with Ben Field? Uh, I mean, you get used to the odour. Right, yes. And eventually you sort of come to terms with the sense of humour, which (laughs) I'm putting in very, very heavy air quotes. Yes, Um, yes. And occasionally he does buy the drinks. So, you know. Oh, well, that makes it all worth it. Swings and roundabouts. But yeah, I'm talking like one in ten times, so. Oh, okay. Well, it's something, I suppose. He's he's right. It pales in comparison next to uh, my lovely co-host of this podcast, Bringer of the Chinese, Chris Dale. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yes, obviously. (sighs) Yeah, fair enough. Right. You're all right as well, I suppose. No, no, I've got to go get some some, uh, prawn crackers. I can see he's uh, he's left some under the sofa there, look. Under the sofa? But is there prawn crackers there? I think he just dropped. There's only a few crumbs. I think it just fell from the corner of his mouth, but uh, that'll do me. Right. Okay. Enjoy your floor prawn crackers, you weirdo. Oh, hang on. I'm stuck, Jamie. I'm stuck under the yeah. sofa. Yeah, you can get yourself out of that stuck. one. Good luck. Help. Bye. Help. Help. You have been listening to the Jerry Anderson Podcast. Wasn't it fun? You have been listening to an Anderson Entertainment production. 